Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to you about something that I feel like a lot of parents struggle with. It is one of the most common topics I hear about in my private Facebook group, and it's something that I often hear about in my practice as well. And that is, how do you help kids with anxiety or OCD who don't want to help themselves? For that matter, how do you help any child who is having a struggle and they don't want to help themselves? So it really doesn't even have to be specific to the issues that we always love talking about. But in general, how do you help these kids if they don't want to help themselves? Now, this episode will be specific to kids who are struggling with anxiety or OCD, but really it could be relevant to anything. Before I get into that, I want to make sure that you did hear my announcement that I am having a membership site open up in January. I am super excited because I really wanted a place to pour all of my support, to like really get to know people, to offer you know, Facebook lives that are specific to your issues more often than once a month, which is what I do in my private Facebook group currently. So in my membership site, if you become part of the AT parenting community, you'll get access to a different private Facebook group that will be smaller and more intimate. I'll do Facebook lives. And for those that opt in to do coaching calls, we will do group coaching calls and we will do, um, I'm going to create a support group. So there are some pretty cool things that are happening and I don't want you to miss that. And that is just some of the stuff I'm going to be offering. I'm not even telling you about some of it because I have a whole list and it's perfect for me because I just want a place to pour all my stuff and resources in and not feel too spread out. I'll still be doing the podcast once a week. I'll still be doing my kids YouTube videos. So nothing's going away. I'm just adding some more value to people who need the extra support. So if you are interested in learning more about the AT parenting community and the membership, you can text 44222 and text the word AT parent, all one word. I did have quite a few of you email me and contact me and say it wasn't working. And it was because I didn't clarify that there should be no space between AT and parent. So all one word, AT parent, no S AT parent to 44222. And I will text you back a link to check out all the information about the membership. I have lots of nitty gritty details. I finally got that up um, over the weekend and you can join the wait list. And that way I will be sure to reach out to you and let you know when it opens. And for those people that are on the wait list, there'll be some extra goodies for you, some bonuses. So you want to get on that wait list while I'm talking about it. Okay. On to the show. So let's get started with how do you help these kids who don't want to help themselves? Such a big issue. So I'm going to break this down into five points. And I want you to know that overall, (laughs) this might be kind of a a Debbie Downer way to start this podcast, but I want you to know that until your child is motivated to work on their anxiety or OCD, we'll just call them issues in general, there's nothing that will get it going. So you can't work harder than your child. And I think a lot of times 
parents will say stuff like that in my Facebook group, you know, like he doesn't want to do this and he doesn't want to do that. And he doesn't admit that he even has anxiety. How can I help him? And really the answer, even though it's super simplistic, comes back to, then you have to totally focus on motivation. That's your goal. So when I'm seeing kids in my practice, I'll explain to parents, I'm very quirky. And I say, I have three phases of therapy. (laughs) This is my introduction when I meet with parents alone for the first session. I say, there's like, there's three phases. Phase one is motivation and education. And we could be in phase one for quite a while if I'm not getting traction on the motivation and education. Phase two is skill building. So it's ERP, exposure response prevention. If you're like, what is she talking about? I have a podcast episode on that. So you can just look for that or go to my website at anxioustoddlerstoteens.com and go into the search field and type in ERP and you'll see all my resources on that. But that, that is phase two is skill building and ERP. And phase three is just maintenance because a lot of people jump off the bandwagon once they hit some progress. And I see that a lot in my practice, people make a lot of progress really quickly and then they cancel their appointments and they're like, we're good to go. We don't have any front burner issues. And I'm like, wait a minute, I haven't dug out any of the weeds. You have seeds under the dirt, come back (laughs) because you really want to dig deep. And that actually would be another completely separate podcast that would be really, really helpful. So that will, that will be in the future for sure. But those are my phases. And so parentally, that's kind of how you want to look at it as well. If I have not had any traction with motivating my child or educating my child, and we'll talk about education in a second, I'm not moving to phase two. So you don't move into skill building until you have your child. 120% on board. Now, some of you might be saying, well, Natasha, that's impossible. Like they're never going to be on board. How am I going to do that? And I think part of it is shifting the responsibility on some level. I I can't see you, but you're going to roll your eyes because if you listen to me a lot, you know exactly what I'm about to say. This is your child's journey, not your journey. And that is really important for this topic because some of it is letting go and realizing that you can't speed up motivation. Now you can do a lot to help facilitate motivation. And I'm going to talk all about that today, but at the end of the day, if you say, I did that, Natasha, I did that, Natasha, I did that, Natasha. Now, hopefully some of it, you're going to be like, Oh, I haven't tried that, but there are some kids that are just not ready to acknowledge that they have a problem. And even if they can acknowledge they have a problem, there are some kids that are not ready to work on that problem. So it's not about you or the lack of what you're doing, you know, your poor parenting job. I think a lot of times we take the burden on because we think we're not doing a good enough job, but it's not about you. Sometimes kids are just not ready to take that leap. They're not ready to acknowledge the fact that they have these issues. Now, having said that, I'm going to talk about some things that you can do to stack the deck in your favor. Now, motivation and education and all the things we're going to talk about today, don't stop. So even if you have a child that you feel like, you know what, they're kind of working on their stuff or they are working on their stuff, this is still good information for you because motivation is a continual thing. And so you might hit a bump or you might even be like, hey, I can motivate them in even a bigger, better way. So there should be something for everybody in this episode. 
So point number one is start with education. I say this a lot. So if you've heard me before, or if you're a new listener, welcome to the podcast. And this is something I'm going to tell you a lot. Always start with education. People miss this step for some reason. Even therapists miss this step for some reason. I want to sit with a kid and I want them to understand what their issue is. I don't want to pathologize it, but I also don't want to minimize it. I don't want to say to them, you know, we all have intrusive thoughts. I don't say that to kids with OCD because I don't think that's fair because I don't have intrusive thoughts the way that they do with their theme. So I don't want to say to a kid, we all get worried and anxious. No, if they have an anxiety disorder, I want them to know that what they're experiencing has some validation to it. It's rough. It's hard. When you live day to day thinking like your world is crumbling, that's intense. So it's this balance of validating their struggle, educating them on what it is. And I think a lot of times parents worry about labeling it and they think that would be a shaming thing. But often for kids, it's, it's relief to know, oh, good, because I know that my friends are not feeling this way. And so you telling me that and telling me there's a name for it and that there are many, 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 many people out there who have this exact issue. That's helpful because on one hand, we're separating it out and we're not saying like, we all worry or we all have intrusive thoughts. So we're helping them understand that, yes, like we get the weight of the issue, but then we're also normalizing it and we're saying there's a slew of people who have OCD or there's a slew of people who have anxiety disorders. It's a super common disorder. Both are. And it can help to Google famous people who have anxiety or famous people who have OCD. You're going to find tons of websites that are going to pop up that are going to list famous people. And a lot of famous people did a lot of Facebook ads and did a lot of PR around that in the last year over like mental awareness uh, week and OCD awareness week. There were a lot of famous people who were talking. So that's a good thing to tap into for your older kids to normalize it and say, yeah, what you're experiencing isn't what everybody's experiencing. We get that it's worse. And here are a lot of famous people who have it and look how far they've come. My favorite one is Ryan Reynolds. He talks often about his anxiety, um, being really nervous. Um, So he would be an awesome one if you have a teenager or a kid who likes Deadpool or any of the movies that Ryan Reynolds has been in because he seems like he is very powerful and confident and you wouldn't think he has anxiety. And he talks a lot about it. So you could Google him and find one of his talks. So the first step though is education in whatever way that you can do it. And it might take a period of weeks. It might be one comment here and one comment there. Your kid might refuse to hear you say the word anxiety or refuse to hear the word OCD. And so you have to respect that. You can't move at a quicker pace than they want, but there are many different ways to educate them. I do have a YouTube video on like, why do I have anxiety? And I have one on what is OCD? They may not even be ready for that. Sometimes I have kids that come into my practice and I have kind of as a homework assignment that they watch one of those videos and sometimes the kids don't like it. They get angry. They get angry because they don't want to identify with that yet. And that is okay. So for those of you that feel like, oh, my kid might watch a YouTube video. That's why I make kid YouTube videos because kids will listen to YouTube more than any other modality. 
So that's where I go. And you can go to youtube.com forward slash C forward slash uh, anxious toddler 78. And I have a playlist that is just for kids with OCD. And I have a playlist videos just for kids with anxiety. And I have a playlist for you too, for parenting and Facebook live replays and podcast interviews. So there is a wealth of information over there. All right. So first step education. Also, there's an amazing books. I will link a bunch of my favorite books on anxiety and OCD. Books are awesome. My book, anxiety sucks, a survival guide that it says it's a teen survival guide, but actually I've gotten so much feedback from people who have kids eight and up who say it's perfect and appropriate. I have an audiobook version. So if you have a kid that's not going to read, they're a little bit older. So the baby books, you know, like what to do when my brain gets stuck and, um, the other books that are, that are geared towards younger kids. If those are too young or insulting to your child, my book is more like I talk like this. So that's better for mature kids who are like between eight and 10 who are super mature or definitely your tweens and teens. And if they're not going to read it, it's a super short book. I purposely cut out all the fluff, just made it really short and simple, but there's an audiobook version as well. So it doesn't matter how you get them information, whether it's through my YouTube or a YouTube video, there's plenty of kids talking about their struggles. So you can do it that way. There's plenty of books out there and I'll leave links below in the show notes. It just matters that you're planting seeds on what this is. Now, the key when you're talking about education is to let them know that this is not a stage because I think a lot of kids feel a lot of the kids I work with in my practice will say, well, Natasha, I'll outgrow this, right? I mean, like I don't have to work on this because it's not like I'm going to be doing this when I'm 20. And I'll say to them, yeah, it is. You're going to be doing this when you're 20. If you don't start working on it now, it may not change. It's very likely that it won't change. Um, I really try to motivate kids, not based on fear, but on the fact that if they don't take action, there will be no action in their anxiety or their OCD. Like this doesn't get better on its own. Typically I I throw out the word typically because I really want to motivate them. And so I just say, it's not going to get better if you don't work on it. The good news is you can work on it. And the way that I try to uplift kids is I'll say stuff like anxiety is just as common. And OCD is just as common as juvenile diabetes. And people with juvenile diabetes have an issue with their pancreas and people with anxiety or OCD have issues with their basal ganglia or their amygdala, depending on whether it's anxiety or OCD. So it's still organs in the body. And you know, if you have diabetes, you have to take a shot or you take medicine every day to get your pancreas to function. But the cool thing with anxiety or OCD is that you can have, you can play a big part. You can actually change the way you think, change the way you act, and you can change your brain. Now I can't change the way my pancreas is working. I can't think my way out of diabetes, but I can make a huge dent in my anxiety or OCD just by changing the way I view things and the way I act. So that could be very motivating. So it's doing a couple of different things and it depends on your child as far as whether you go that route or not. But it's motivating in the sense that one, I'm equating it to diabetes, which is a very common thing, something your child has probably heard of if they're a bit older and it's medical, it's not their fault. And so it normalizes that. Now, if your child is very sensitive about having something wrong with them, they may not appreciate the comparison to another disease. So that may not be the avenue you go down with that child. 
But for most of the kids I work with, they, they like the comparison because it helps take away the stigma of mental illness. It helps normalize it. And also it's motivating because it's like, wow, you know, it's better than diabetes because I can actually do something just by the way I think and the way I act. That's pretty powerful. We're not just talking about foo-foo stuff. Like I can actually change my neural pathways by how I think and how I act. So therapy isn't just like, let's just go sit on a couch and vent about this. It's like, let's just go and change your neural pathways. That's pretty powerful. Now, if you have a child who has diabetes and anxiety and OCD, obviously that might be a weird example. (laughs) That may not be an example you'd want to use, or you could even use it in a motivating way and say, look, we can't change your diabetes, but you can actually change your anxiety or OCD just by the way you think and act. Now, I always like to say it's a component because there are some kids that have to go on medication and that's totally okay. And so I don't want anyone to think that it's like a negative if they ever do have to go on medication. So I always say you can change your thoughts and change the way you act as a huge component of treating anxiety or OCD. Kind of want to leave the door open if that's maybe where you need to head down the road. So that's point number one. It was kind of a long point. Point number two is you want to let them know that even small steps can help crush their anxiety or OCD. So even if you do one little thing, let's say you have school refusal and you don't want to go to school, but you're willing to go one hour a day. You can say that's huge. That's huge. We want to celebrate their victories. I think sometimes people are not motivated because they think they're going to have to fix it all. If you want me to work on my anxiety, it means that you want me to jump off a cliff. You want me to, whatever it is that I'm fearful of, you want me to do it 110%. So letting them know that doing something really small And celebrating it instead of being like, well, maybe tomorrow you can actually go to school the whole day. Those don't help, those kind of comments. But celebrating the small steps and saying to them, every small step leads to big change. And so you don't have to do this in one go. So that's point number two. It's kind of highlighting that. Point number three is you want to back off and you want to respect the pace that they want to talk about it. And so maybe you have to talk about it in private. Be aware of who you're talking about it in front of, because you never know that might be part of why they're not motivated because they are very private and they don't want to tell you their secrets if they feel like you're going to tell everybody else. It wasn't until I got my son to talk in private that he really started to open up about his OCD. And so now we have this whole thing going on where if he has anything he wants to talk about, he says, mom, can we go out on the patio? And that's code really that he's got something going on. He's very private, but for the first year of his major blimp with OCD, he didn't talk about it at all. And I couldn't get him to talk about it. And so we progressed where I started to respect him and he started to trust me and said, look, when you want to talk about it, you just tell me and we will go in private and we'll talk about it. So sometimes setting up those boundaries and that respect can really help. Okay, up next, I'm going to give you a personal example that happened today with my Miss Seven. She has aged, all my kids age in October and November. So up next, I'm going to tell you all about what happened this morning. And it's a great example of kind of respecting when kids don't want to help themselves and how to talk through that when you're actually having a front burner issue, something in the moment that's happening. And then I have two more points that I want to bring up before I let you go. Stay tuned. That's what we're talking about. This episode is brought to you by a new marriage counseling app called Lasting. 
I know a lot of us struggle with our partners and having a child with anxiety or OCD does not make that easier. With this app, you can try to work on those issues with your partner, even if you just have five minutes a day, and even if they're not even in the same state, even if they're on a business trip, you can still use the app together. Lasting is based on research and science, and it fits into a busy schedule. And if you're one of my listeners, you can unlock the entire app and get your first month of Lasting Premium for just 99 cents. So you can always download the app for free on iTunes or to get this special deal, go to getlasting.com slash A-T. That's G-E-T-L-A-S-T-I-N-G.com slash A-T and use the offer code A-T at checkout and get your first month for just 99 cents. You're listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more parenting support, check out Natasha's parenting e-courses on a variety of topics. Each parenting e-course includes a series of teaching videos that can be watched at your own pace. For more information, visit anxioustoddlers.com forward slash parenting hyphen videos. Welcome back. Okay, so I want to go into this example because I felt like when I was thinking about what happened this morning, I thought this is a really good example for this podcast episode. So my daughter, Miss Seven, uh, if you follow my story at all, thought she had just anxiety, a lot of stomach aches before school. Then we were just ruling out medical just as like a very proactive thing that any parent should do. And I should probably do a podcast on that too. And Went to the doctor, went to the GI specialist, because the doctor said we should just rule out, you know, go to the GI specialist. Anyway, long story short, she got diagnosed with celiac disease. Now, she had been anxious about going into the cafeteria this entire school year, which is why I thought it was just purely anxiety, because it was very specific. She was afraid that she was going to throw up in front of her friends, which is a really common emetophobia issue. I hear it all the time. So I didn't really think there was a medical origin underneath it. So... She's been on gluten-free diet for like, I guess like maybe a month now, maybe a little bit less than a month. Her stomach is doing much better. She rarely complains about it. But then a teacher last week said to her, next week, we're going to, we can bring you back into the cafeteria. So she's been eating at the nurse, the nurse's office, totally dysfunctional. And sometimes in her classroom. Now her teacher, luckily, surprisingly, gratefully has celiac disease too which has been really helpful because she's super understanding. She is very um, sympathetic to my daughter. And so she doesn't mind having her in the classroom. And I even said to her, like in our parent-teacher conference, I said, you know, we'll get her back from break and then we'll give her a little while to just, you know, kind of have her stomach settle with the gluten-free diet. And then I'll work really hard at getting her back in the cafeteria. And the teacher was like, don't even worry about it. The cafeteria is so chaotic and I don't even like being in there and I'm totally fine with her here. So there was no pressure from the teacher, but there's another teacher that had said to my daughter, we're going to get you back in the cafeteria, which isn't really a bad thing at all. It's just not my timeline at this point because her stomach isn't a hundred percent. Now, at first, when she came home that day, she said, Hey, you know, this teacher is going to help me and she's going to She said she's going to create a a separate table for me and I get to pick two of my friends and I can sit there without being next to anybody else and it's going to be so great. And so she was excited to work on it. But then fast forward, 
she hasn't been at school because it was the weekend. And then on Monday, she, she was absent. And so today is Tuesday. And she was really nervous. And so she woke up and she said, my stomach hurts. And this is the good thing. You know, we work so much on connecting the mind and body that she recognized it was because she's anxious about this expectation this teacher has for her to join the cafeteria. And so she said, I don't want to go to school today. I don't want to go to school today. So we just, you know, she was sitting in that. And then she even said, my stomach hurts. My stomach hurts because I'm so nervous, nervous about having to go to the cafeteria, which is really big for a child to be able to make that mind body connection, which for her is huge because her stomach has always hurt. So it's great to hear her be able to vocalize when it's anxiety and not due to celiac. And then, um, instead of saying to her with my agenda, you know, it's already November, you really need to get back in the cafeteria. You have to like start acting normal again. You know, I didn't have any of that. I just said to her, I know that's scary. And yeah, your stomach's going to hurt today because that's a pretty big deal. But think about if you're able to do it. That's amazing. And then I kind of focused on the benefits of what would happen if she did it. So I said, you know, you'll be able to enjoy your friends again. You're going to have so much fun. And then she went into her red thoughts, what I call red thoughts and green thoughts. If you have taken my online class, you know what I'm talking about. And she said, oh, you know, but what if I throw up in front of my friends? It's going to be so embarrassing. So we kind of did her red thought, green thought thing. But then at the end, she said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do it, mom. I don't want to go to the cafeteria. And so she didn't want to fight her anxiety. So I said to her, you don't have to. So instead of fighting your kids with where you want them to go versus where they want to go, sometimes the counterintuitive response is to just agree with them. And so I said, then don't do it. You don't have to. You know, if you want to go to the nurse, instead, just tell her. I'll support that. That's fine. And then I added a challenge. And this is actually my fourth point is set up challenges. I talk about this a lot. If you've taken my online class, you've heard me talk a lot about it. In my podcast episodes, I've talked a lot about it. And when I do my membership site, I will go into detail about how to set these up to be successful. But I'm not going to go into that right now. And so I said to her, look, we can set up a challenge for this. You don't have to take it. You don't have to do any of this. You don't have to go into the cafeteria. In fact, if you never want to go into the cafeteria for the rest of your life and miss out on that social stuff, you can because this is your life, not mine. That's point number five. (laughs) We'll get to that. And so it seemed like that took a lot of pressure off of her. She, She looked more relaxed. And then I said, if you go into the cafeteria, then... Um, you can earn. And then we just talked about, she likes Roblox and she likes Robux. She likes money for her Roblox. And so I said, you can earn Robux. And I told her how much she would earn. And she said, oh, okay. And then when we're driving to school, she said, well, what if the teacher doesn't remember? What if she forgets? And I said, okay, then you don't have to do it. I said, or now this is kind of a crazy idea, or you can remind her, you don't have to, but you could remind her and And if you did that, I mean, you'd be crazy proud of yourself. Now, see what I'm doing there is I'm not saying I would be proud of you. So there's no expectations about me and her progress. It's not about me. Point number five, we'll get there. And so instead, and I trip on this all the time, but when I can remember it, I say, you'd be really proud of yourself because you'd be just crushing your worry cloud because we name it. And I said, if you did that, I would just want to celebrate with you. And so we would do a one-on-one on on Sunday. Now, our one-on-ones, I've talked about this before, are just like 
like a mom daughter day. I do one-on-ones with my kids when I can, I forget to do them and I try to be better about it. But I told her, I said, we'll do a one-on-one and she loves one-on-one time. And so she lit up. And when she was leaving and getting out of the car, I said to her, it doesn't matter. Whatever you do is going to be okay. It doesn't matter. And it will all work out no matter what you choose. So just taking off that burden and that pressure is helpful with your kids. So agree with them. You don't have to do that. If you don't, blah, blah, blah will happen. And that's okay. Maybe you're not ready. Maybe it's not your time to do that. But if you did do it, you can earn blah, blah, blah. And challenges are a huge part of motivating kids. I do have a lot of parents that I work with periodically who have a problem with bribing, I'm doing air quotes, you cannot see, their kids to do things that other kids can do. But I think parents who have that mentality are missing the boat completely because other kids don't feel like they're jumping into a shark tank when they go into the cafeteria. You know, that's a shark tank. I'm asking her to go into a room where she feels like there are snakes. I wouldn't want to go into a room with snakes. That would take a lot of willpower and bravery for me to do that. And so we have to get into the mindset of our kids and recognize that if they have a disorder, it's not it's not a typical response. They're having a fear response. And it's something that if you don't have that disorder, or if you don't understand that disorder, you're not going to get it. But adding encouragement and behavior modification by adding reinforcers is huge. And I've watched kids come into my office with zero motivation, zero understanding of anything. And I get out my game show host faced and I'm like, here are some tickets. This is what it's going to look like. And I game, I gamify it. I make it fun. I turn it into a game and I get a lot of engagement. I get a lot of success from even the most challenging kids. And a lot of times those families will come to me and they've seen other therapists and they say, he's just not motivated. And I'll say, well, what have you worked on? Like, what is he earning? And they'll say, well, he just won't do his homework. He won't do his therapy homework, or he won't read this. And I said, well, what is he getting out of it? Now you might say, well, he's getting the freedom of not having anxiety or OCD, Natasha. Sorry, kids don't think that way. So you have to get into their world. They're very in the here and now. They're not in the tomorrows, unless it's about doom and gloom and death and destruction. (laughs) But they're not in the tomorrow of this disorder is going to kick your butt this disorder, it's going to immobilize you. This disorder is going to make you not be able to function as a human being. If you don't get a hold of it, they're not in that world. And even when I tell them that it helps a little bit, because sometimes I'm very blunt and bold with the older kids or kids who just have been very resistant. And I'll say things like that. I'll say, Hey, I've worked with kids who've turned into adults who are immobilized by this. They can't even leave their house or they can't hold down a job. Um, that's not my go-to initial motivating speech because that's not very uplifting, but for those really resistant kids, I will go there. But even then I feel like there's not a lot of traction around that because kids tend to live in the here and now, like they just think they're immortal. They think like bad things aren't going to happen and everything is going to pass over time. So they don't get that. So external motivations and gaming it, making it a game is not giving in to your child's anxiety or OCD or letting them manipulate you. These are some of the things I've heard from resistant parents. It is taking something horrible and turning it positive, taking your lemons, 
and making lemonade. You didn't want anxiety. You didn't want OCD. Your child did not want that, but you're taking something that's horrible and you're making the best of it. And when you do that, you get some progress. So my last point, which I've already hinted to is this is your kid's journey. And so you may have done all of that. You might say, Natasha, I've tried everything you talk about and it's still not working. It's their journey and you have to wait. And I know with my son, Mr. Nine, there was no traction. He did not want to work on anything. And I had to plant seeds and talk about education when I could. He didn't want to watch my YouTube videos. Go figure. He didn't want to talk about it. He denied it. Anytime I saw him doing something that seemed like a compulsion, he would say to me, no, it's not. I just like that. or I like that feeling. And it took a full year of me planting seeds. And I do this for a living. And it still took that long because he was just not ready. And that is okay. He was not ready. And so it's not for me to say, I'm sorry, but this timeline that you are like developing for yourself, it's not working for me because I would like to see you healthier sooner. No, yeah, that is true, but it doesn't matter because he was just not there mentally or maybe like intellectually he wasn't there, but now he is so much so that last night he ate dinner and he was running around the house and he was trying to do jump ropes and he was running back and forth. Now, this is a a behavior that he has done a lot in the past. And I've always suspected that there was an OCD component to it, but he never verbalized that. And if I said to him, what are you doing? Can you, you know, is that squishy? What's what we call his OCD? He'd say, no, I just want to run around. But last night he said, well, actually, mom, it's a combination of my anxiety and my OCD. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. And he explained it to me. He told me exactly why, you know, I'm feeling nauseous. So I feel like I'm going to throw up. And I felt like maybe I ate too much. So I feel like if I run around and exercise, which I get is my OCD, then I'm not going to throw up because my throw up is my anxiety. I'm very worried about throwing up. That's from a boy who would never talk about this. And then I said to him, I think that running around is a compulsion. And I don't know, maybe it'd be a good thing to not do because when you do compulsions, what do you think happens? And he said, I know compulsions feed my OCD and it grows bigger. Wow. Yeah, you're right. So my point in that is hang in there because that took a long time. I mean, we're just seeing progress now in the last, I would say three or four months. Uh, and it took a long time. So their journey, not your journey. Um, I'll review the points really quick. So teach them, educate them, normalize it, but let them know that this is a big deal so that they recognize that they have to fight it. Small steps lead to big steps back off, be private, set boundaries, uh, set up challenges. It's a good thing. And it's their journey. There you go. I just summarized 30 minutes of podcast in two seconds. So I hope you found that helpful. Hang in there. Um, things change every day. If you're not my private Facebook group, go join it because we're going to give you lots of love and support in there. Facebook.com slash groups slash AT parenting anxious kids. So if you're enjoying my podcast, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast and rate the show that helps other parents know, Hey, this is helpful. You should listen to it. If you have 10 seconds and you want to leave a review, I greatly appreciate that. I appreciate it so much that I end my show every time or every time I can remember giving you a shout out and reading one of them. So I want to thank Laura who wrote, Thank you for your support. I'm a speech therapist and deal day in and day out with kiddos with emotional regulation difficulties. I also have a nine-year-old with anxiety 
And this is so helpful for my personal life as well as my professional life. It's easier to do at work, but at home, it slips sometimes. Thank you. Thank you, Laura, for taking the time to write that. And trust me, I totally get it. We have a lot in common because I have a nine-year-old and I'm a therapist. And it is just so different when it's your own kid. So glad that I can support you through that. And if you want to leave a review, maybe next time I'll be reading your comment. Well, I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will talk to you next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to AT Parenting Survival Podcast. For more tips and parenting support, visit anxioustoddlers.com.